Welcome to Inside the Pages, presented by the Cornerstone of Grace. We're located at 524 East Pasadena Street in the city of Pomona, California. Sunday praise and worship begins at 9 a.m. Wednesday Bible study this evening at 7 p.m. We believe the Bible is the word of God. Therefore, we're faithful, we're bold, we believe the best way to face opposition is by obedience to the word of God. Now, let me let me say that again. We believe the Bible is the word of God. Therefore, we are faithful. Why? Because we believe the Bible is the word of God. We're bold, meaning that we take a stand for righteousness, for holiness in our lives, not to project it. Not to demand it, not to beat nobody else up with it, because we have to be obedient first. That's what we're bold at, and being obedient first. We believe the best way to face opposition is by obedience to the word of God. Therefore, we obey the laws of the land. We're good servants, good stewards, and most of all, we obey what God has to say. We pray for dignitaries. We pray for kings and presidents, whether we agree with them being office or not. The king's heart is in God's hand. Listen, I, I want to remind you to save the dates. You know, my God, we're, we're, uh, we're here. Where is the time gone? May 30th. 31st and June 1st will be here before you know it. And we'll be celebrating our SoCal Pentecost, uh, Southern California. Now, I know there are other Pentecost services that are going on uh, in 2024. This one is for Southern Cal. And so I want to encourage you, if you're in the Los Angeles area, San Bernardino, Riverside, you know, or if you're in California, period, no matter where you are, you can fly into Ontario Airport and we're going to be having this service in Rancho Cucamonga at a beautiful edifice there. And um, we're looking forward to praise the Lord and to magnify him. You know, uh, to me, Pentecost is like no other service. We have our regular services on Sunday and our Bible class and different things. But Pentecost was special and they traveled to be in that service. They made special arrangements to go to Pentecost. I'm not asking you to use up all your vacation time or anything like that, but it would be nice for you to be present and to help lift the Lord up. Listen now, if, you, um, if you're watching it online uh, during that service time, I want to encourage you as we are putting together the program, uh, send us a testimony. You've been listening to the broadcast and you have a voice and something to say and, you know, and how the Lord is blessing you. Uh, go to ConnectingTruth.org. ConnectingTruth.org. And send us your testimony so that we can put it in our uh, program. You know, um, make sure to include uh, the um, your location where you're writing from. All right. God bless you. You know, I, I was telling the, the um, and I want to remind uh, COG and others that this is a year of preparation. 2024 is a year of preparation. 
Now, when you have expectations, you prepare. When you have expectations of a child being born, your wife is pregnant or, you know, someone that you know is pregnant, they make um, as many preparations as they can. And you may be included in helping those make those preparations because of the expectation uh, to give birth. And so there is something that is being that we're preparing for. And I want to encourage you to stay on the ready, stay on the ready and prepare, sanctify yourselves, consecrate yourselves. You know, if you fast, some things come with fasting and prayer. If you have not been fasting or you don't have a fast day, uh, please set aside at least one day in the week to fast on. Uh, maybe set aside that service day, the day that you're, you're attending your worship service in your area as your fast day. And, um, you know, so, but consecrating unto the Lord, it's important that we consecrate and set ourselves aside for him. That's what sanctification is. It is to set ourselves apart, set ourselves aside for the Lord himself. Um, I, I hope that you have had a blessed day. Certainly I have. Um, and the song, Tony, Tony, and them used to sing a song. It, it doesn't rain in Southern California, but we know that was just a song because we, we have had over nearly 10 inches of rain here, mudslides and everything, which is not normal for us. It may be normal in other parts of the, of the state or the, um, on this particular continent, because there are other areas that rain and they rain hard all the time. California is just not used to a lot of rain. When it drizzles here, we start having car accidents and we just we just don't know how to drive the weather. All right. And, and so um, it has been raining and I, I love the rain. It's not it's nothing like uh, Seattle's rain. Seattle rains so much that the. Uh, people have grass growing on top of their, their roofs because of the rain. And so they have to do a special service and clean their roofs and different things to get the the, the, um, the growth off of it. Uh, but like I said, we don't get that here. Now, um, as I said, that we are preparing. We're walking within a year of preparation. And so that means that there is an awareness and we're looking, we're looking for something. We're looking for God to fulfill uh, his word the way he wants to do it. And so um, how do you prepare is a question that, you know, um, that you may have. And I, I'm glad that you asked it. And so before we go into our, our uh, other, into Genesis, uh, I want to read this. Second Corinthians, the sixth chapter, uh, beginning at the 14th verse. It says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Preparation, as I mentioned, is a, a state of living. Uh, just like, Sanctification is a lifestyle. Holiness is a lifestyle. And it's the lifestyle that God has asked us to be. And so the scripture says, be ye unequally yoked together. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, an unbeliever is someone that uh, that don't practice sanctification. They're not living a holy life. If you are living with someone 
uh, and you're, you know, you got that, um, what do you call it? That, that puppy dog, uh, syndrome where you're going to fix them and they're going to be all right because you're going to be a perfect example in front of them. No, that is not, that's not going to happen. The scripture tells you not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. If you're renting a room out, you got to be careful who you rent to and you got to lay down the law that, uh, this house is, um, is sanctified. You can't be afraid to do that. For the fellowship, what what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? Well, he looked cute, and you know, and she looked fine, and you know, and I'm sure that I invite them to church, and they'll get right. No, listen, listen, no, I I, I feel what you're saying, but no, we we're not doing that. And what communication have light with darkness? Now. Uh, CLG and some heard a, a, a lesson, uh, the word of God on Sunday, talking about the um, lamp, uh, the lamp being your life. And someone asked me uh, just on Monday, what is the, what it, what does the light represent? Uh, well, that lamp represents your life. And so what communion have light with darkness and what concord with Christ would and so uh, what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? An infidel is an unbeliever. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? There's no, we should not find idols in the temple of God. For what are the temple of the living God? As God has said, I will dwell in them and I will walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separated. So God calls us to be separated and not to touch the unclean thing. And he said, because of that, I'll receive you. I'll be a father to you. You'll be my sons and daughters. And I'll be a father and I'll, I'll hear my daughters and sons say, you know, when I hear as a father, when I hear my sons and daughters say, dad, it immediately uh, gets my attention. One, they don't usually call me dad. So, but, <laughs> um, but when they say dad, that means that they're they're driving a point home that they they want to get something across or something urgent. And, and so, same thing when I hear uh, Papa, you know, um, with a bunch of streaming words afterwards. Now, let me share something with you here. I was sharing this with a uh, with. Uh, with a associate in Texas the other day. And um, so as, as we were talking two hour time difference, but as we were talking about children, we were talking about uh, the fact that my um, grandson, when he was about two years old um, or even younger than that, when he cried, I, I would take him in another room and close the door and, and, and tell him to tell me all about it. I didn't understand a word he was saying, but he poured it all out. And I said, okay, you, you finish. And when he was finished, he stopped crying and, and we went out the room. I told him I would handle it. Uh, that registered with him. And even today at, at 15 years old, he still will uh, pour his heart out when something bothers him. And you can't ignore that. Now, many times we tell or maybe you was raised in where your parents said, I'm not your friend. I'm your parent, you know, and, 
But listen, if you're not a friend to your child, who's going to be their friend? And then they'll go out and make the wrong friends. They'll be pouring themselves out to someone else. And that's where the trouble comes in at. So you need to be a king when it's time to be a king, not a dictator. When it's time to be a, uh, a, a mentor, a mentor don't mean you'll know it all. And, and then there's a time that you're going to be a friend. And this is all part of parenting. And you're certainly going to be a protector. You're going to be a protector. So, you know, um, and so you're going to, not a brute, not a brute, but a protector. So you, all these things come in apart and God is all of these things and so much more. Now, to be unequally yoked means to be fully embraced on your stand on godly conduct. If you live the life, you don't have to express it verbally. People will pick up and see that you're living a godly life. And then if they do ask, uh, thank you for asking, because that gives you an opportunity to invite them uh, into your world, which is God's kingdom. And we do business, but you will not compromise your sainthood. Uh, we we don't hang out doing things that we know is going to affect us. The Bible says evil communication corrupt good manners. So if you're not prepared, you're going to miss the sound. You're going to miss the distinct sound of instructions that only those listening will hear. Why? Because you made preparation. You you got you don't have distractions and different things uh, impacting you where you cannot hear what God is saying. And so that's why I encourage you to have a fast day and, um, you know, and to be consecrated on the Lord. At least at least one day a week, consecrate yourselves unto the Lord. Uh, you want God's attention. Now understand something that God's attention doesn't mean that he's going to be talking to you all day long. He's not like the television. The television will be running all day long. The radio is running all day long. God's words are few. So people that are always talking about what God told them and prophet so-and-so, God made this and said, listen, understand something. When you read the scripture, when you're reading the word of God, he is not doing all of that talking that people claim he is. Nope. And he's certainly not telling everybody else's business. You know, the Bible says signs and wonders are for unbelievers. So if God is going to speak and tell you something, he's going to tell you about some something that's going on with the person in the grocery store so that you can minister to them so that they can know that the kingdom of God is near. He's not going to tell you a bunch of stuff that's happening on the other side of the world um, that is not going to uh, impact the person. And, and if you are saying something, it's because you heard it on the news. And maybe you heard something on the news that's tied into scripture. Now, that's different. Now, we're in the book of Genesis, touching the law, the universe, the earth, man, and spirit. We're touching the cause and design or designing mind behind everything, the designer, God himself. And, and so the thought this evening is God said it. That's it. And God said it. Whatever God says, you can bank on it. Whatever God says. Now, God speaks to us in dreams. He speaks to us in visions. He speaks to us through his word. And whatever dream you have, whatever vision you may have, and whatever person that approach you and tell you that they're prophesying, speaking into your life, 
it must line up with the word of God. Now, when the Bible said that if a person speaks to you and tell you that this is what the Lord said and it don't come to pass, then, um, well, that paints a different picture according to the scripture. I had a gentleman that, that spoke into my life, uh, it was about 2010, and here we are 13 years later, and I've watched and have felt it registered in my spirit, and 13 years later, here we are, and I am watching what he told me unfold. Everything doesn't happen overnight that is spoken to you. And you have to understand that. We've been in the book of Genesis. Now, remember, Abraham, when he left home, um, well, you know, let me ask you this. When Abraham left home, how old was he? Uh, when him and Sarah left, how old was Sarah? So that's two ages that, that you need to know. And it wasn't um, the promise that God made to them. It, it didn't happen overnight. And someone said, well, why do I have to wait? Because God wanted you to wait. And he wanted you to wait so that, you know, you would understand and know that it was him that did it, not you. Now, when something is spoken to you, it's important that, that you keep record, keep record. God said it, so you need to keep a record of it. You have a dream, you need to keep a record. You have a vision, you need to keep a record. God speaks to you and, and you need to keep a record of it. Whether it is a direct message, maybe you got up out of bed and as your feet hit the floor, God spoke a few words to you. And usually when God speaks, it is only a few words. And so you need to write that down and write the date down. Write it down. Now, here are a few instructions that God gave some of the saints. Proverbs 3 and 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of your heart. So the writing is involved. Remember it. The purpose of writing is for remembrance. Isaiah 30 and 8. Now go write it before them in a table and note it in a book that it may be for the time to come forever and ever. See, so there's a written record. Habakkuk 2 and 2. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may read that runneth it. So again, Revelation 1 and 19, write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. So we need to write things down. Remember, we're in a year of, of, of preparation. And so you need to be writing things down. What happens? What, what impact? What dreams you have? What, maybe you woke up one morning and there was a song just ministering to you, a song that you never heard before. And then you Google it and find that it's a real song, but you did you need to write that stuff down. That's God dealing with you. Write things down, keep, keep notes in a, a composition book or whatever, but keep it out of the reach of the children. So they don't spill Kool-Aid on it, you know, and, um, you know, or use your phone, but I, I like writing stuff down. I like writing stuff down. I write all over the place. I, I got notes even all around me on the floor of where I um, write stuff down and leave it in the office and stuff. And so I'm kind of a messy, but to me, I know where everything is and no one can touch it in, in my office. But write stuff down, write things down. 
you're going to need it because when God come, brings what he says to pass, you have this information. And it, it's, it's, it shows that you had faith. It shows that your hope and is part of your testimony of what came to pass. All right. So Bible students, here's a question for you this evening. Well, for I already asked one question that was about age. Uh, the second question is, who was the first person to receive the Holy Ghost? In the scriptures, who was the, yep, you got to back it up with the word of God. Yep. Mm, not just thought off your mind. Nope. Who was the first person to receive the Holy Ghost? All right. So please put that in the comments uh, with the scripture to, to justify what you're saying. And while you're thinking and doing that, I'm going to go on. We're in the book of Genesis, the 25th chapter, and we're talking about the fact God said it. Genesis 25, 11 through 18, it says, and it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son, Isaac, and Isaac dwelt in the land of Lahara. Now, how did God bless Isaac? That should be a question that you want to know. When we read the scripture, we're not just reading and not and not examining. We need to examine the message and the messenger. God blessed his son, Isaac. So, Lord, how did you bless Isaac? What did you do to bless him? Now, Isaac lived in an area called Lahara. I hope I'm saying that right. And that name itself means a well of living uh, of the living God or a reservoir of the living God. Now, where do you live? Where do you live? What do you call it? Now, I call my my little box that I live in the Ritz Carlton. That's what I call it. I call it the Ritz Carlton. It was what I could afford while working, and um, I call it the Ritz Carlton. It, it is my place of tranquility. Everyone does not run in and out of it. I know God will meet me here at this Ritz Carlton. It is a peaceful setting uh, throughout the house. It's, it's a peaceful setting until you get to the TV room. Or, or slash game room where I destroy my grandsons uh, on PlayStation or, or, and they will tell you another story that they really destroy me. But you know, that's, that's debatable. That's debatable. But what do you call where you live? Is it a, a reservoir of revitalization? Is it a reservoir, a well of refreshing? Is God there? That's, that's the point. Is God in your home? Wherever you live, the area that Isaac lived, God was there. It represents that, that his presence was there. And you want God's presence wherever you are. In the book of Genesis, the 17th chapter, now we're in the 25th chapter, but we're talking about the fact that God said uh, that God blessed his son, Isaac. God blessed Abraham's son, Isaac. Now, Genesis 17, 18, verse 21, 
It says, And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son. And thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for the everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. So now remember, Isaac now in this time of his life, now that's the promise that God made to Abraham. Uh, I'm sorry, verse, I said 21, uh, verse 18 through 19. Isaac is an adult now. He's a, he's a responsible adult. Let's put it that way. Age. When you turn 18, 19, 20, 21, you become a responsible adult. Well, by age, we're talking about age. We're not talking about mental. All right. Talking about age. The law recognize you as being a responsible adult. Now, in other cultures, you are considered a responsible adult at maybe even at an earlier age. What does it mean to, to be an adult or to enter adulthood? Or better yet, what does it mean to you? Does it mean that you grew some hair? You know, you grew hair where it did not exist before. You got a little peach fuzz and now you feel like you're you're an adult. You notice a few muscles. You know, they're not really developed into muscles, but so I call them muscles. You got a few muscles that have formed on your body or, you know, you got some other formations that are occurring, ladies. And so now you just think that you're growing, you're growing up. Maybe it's because the cookie monster said you were cute and that just made you feel. Now, fathers, let, let me say this here. Uh, dads, dads, don't let no man tell your daughter anything that you have not told her. Don't let nobody beat you to that point. You And, and even to your sons. Now, don't let nobody beat you to the point of, of telling your sons they're handsome and encouraging them and their masculinity and, you know, and telling them to treat how to be responsible young men. And certainly the same thing with your daughters. That way, no one can tell them something and they start blushing and carrying on because they've never been told before. Now, of course, all of us go into that, that state of mind that it was somebody that we also felt that because they said it, we, we accepted it a little more because we, we kind of like them. You know, you remember those days, but don't let it be the first time that they hear something. Now, do we look at adulthood because uh, maybe now you look at it differently because you learned a few lessons or you made some observation. There's two ways of learning. Either you experience it and you're doing it or you watch someone else do it and you say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. Some of us learned some things because we went to the school of hard knocks, talking about adulthood. We went to the school of hard knocks. Now, I have some certificates, um, too, from the school of hard knocks. And, and so I know I'm not alone because I can think of a lot of faces that went to the school of hard knocks that that are no longer there. But the school of hard knocks. And then there's the reality and responsibility that of being uh, properly handled now because we're no longer attending that school. We, we've graduated from those courses 
<laughs> we got our certificates and we learned that we're not going back to the school of hard knocks. It's not a, it's not a good place to be. It will make you grow up and do things the right way. You know, people go to the military and they don't claim as a school of hard knocks, but some people uh, became stable minded because they went into the military. Other than that, they were foolish men and women, but went into the military and learned discipline. Uh, some of them went to the school of hard knocks in the military. That was their school. Now, because of reality and responsibilities, is uh, that's only the tip of the iceberg when we talk about adulthood. Now, as having children, um, I have two boys, two girls, and well, they're, they're adult children. That's what I call them. And um, two grandsons. And I recall my oldest son, he left home at an early age. He felt that he needed to, that he wanted to get out and, and what he thought he was going to be on his own. He learned the value, he learned some valuable lessons. You know, uh, physically, it's not, when you change physically, it doesn't mean that, you, that you're adult because you still have to mature mentally. And so uh, he earned a lot of certificates from the School of Hard Knocks as, as well. We talk about this kind of stuff. And um, then there is an entire recovery process that after you attend the School of Hard Knocks, you, you got to then recover. There, there's still some, some more vocation that you have to learn because there's a whole recovery process that must be done after attending a school of hard knocks. So don't go to the school of hard knocks. Take it for someone that has learned valuable lessons uh, during uh, uh, my little lifetime. And there are many others that can also tell you about the school of hard knocks. Now be careful how you talk about the school of hard knocks and what you tell a person, you know, because sometimes we don't present things the right way. And instead of uh, causing, encouraging them to leave and go the opposite way, we drive them to it. And, and so we're not going to stay there tonight, but but I think that's important to say. Sometimes we push our kids into something and instead of pulling them away from it because of the presentation. Well, that presentation was done to me. Well, and look what happened. You wind up going to the school of hard knocks. Look what happened. You wind up dealing with some things that you really would not have dealt with if you had. So don't present those things. Don't don't do that. And then expect everything. Everything's just going to be all right. I'm just going to pray about. No, there's going to come a time that there's going to be a recovery phase. So you got to recover the ground that has been lost. And, and so that's important. Uh, as I said, my son left home early and we talked. Uh, we talked weekly, sometimes two, two or three times a week. Just, it may not be about nothing, but, but we're on the phone, you know, and talking about different things. And, and we can talk about anything that there is that, that needs to be talked about that we want to talk about uh, from A to Z. So we, as parents, we got to be careful. Now, remember, we're, we're talking about adulthood. We're talking about adulthood. Now, adulthood is being responsible when someone say I'm grown, I'm a, I'm a man, I'm a grown man. You know, you hear that. Well, 
I would respect that more if you a grown man showing me that you're doing something. Same thing with the ladies. What are you doing with this growth that you're claiming? All right, we're going to go on. Isaac's mother and father are dead. And he's now married. He has a relationship to nurture. He has a relationship that must be nurtured now. He's married. And, and so he doesn't just have one relationship, but there are multiple relationships. Uh, they're multiple because one, uh, what does the, the scripture tell us? The, the word of God tell us right here in the, um, what we started out reading and it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed Isaac. So now because God blessed him, that's something that has to be nurtured. When God bless you, as he is blessing you, that's not something to just take for granted. You have to nurture even the few words that God speak to you. You got to nurture those words. If God give you a message, now preachers know this, pastors, ministers, evangelists, uh, all of those that are that that are that God has given gifts to um, for the for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, they know when they receive a word. And it may just be one word. Usually it is our scripture that God is directing them to. That word has to be worked, nurtured. It has to be uh, harvested in order to present it to you. And that's only if God wants it presented to the public. Sometimes God speaks something to the minister and the minister cannot tell it. It's not even meant for for him to tell and share or her to share with anyone. It is meant for them to keep them at a certain place, to push them into where he wants them to be at in order to minister. So it has to be nurtured. He's married and he has a relationship that has to be nurtured. He has a relationship. God has blessed him. That has to be nurtured. And he has an inheritance and that has to be nurtured. It must be managed. What his father left him and what is going to be given to him has to be nurtured. It has to be managed. There's, it is just not just a, I got it and, and everything is just going to go into autopilot. No, it's not. This is work. It's work whether you are in God. It's work if you are not in God. You still going to work. I'm not talking about your regular job. I mean, just the fact that you're living, you've got to nurture whatever you're in possession of. And God blessed his son, Isaac. Now, this means that God remembered and is imputing the promise that he made. And God remembered, God remembered things. And not that he forgot, but it means that the, the time has come for certain things to occur in Isaac's life or to start occurring. Uh, he's already on the path. He's been on that path. And, and now there's some things that, that are going to start happening that he's going to see and recognize. Now, um, God remembered and is imputing the promise that he made to Abraham and to Isaac's spirit. So there's something that is being triggered within Isaac's spirit that's coming forth. Now, many of us are recipients of the prayers and promises made to our parents. We are recipients of promises and prayers that was made to our grandparents, our great-grandparents. 
God's presence or his presence is known to Isaac. God blessed him. And so because he's blessed, how is it he's not knowing that God is present with him? He is in a state of awareness and the chain of events are going to continue. Now, listen to this, Genesis Genesis uh, 12 and 2. Remember, talking, God said it. And I will make thee a great nation and I will bless thee and I will make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. Isaac entered into this prophetic. This word was spoken um, before Isaac was born. Now, Isaac was born. And and so we are looking at the fact that Isaac's birth. Now, I did ask a question. I don't see an answer here of how many how old was Abraham and how old was Sarah when they left home. And. Uh, we are not in the book of Exodus. We are in the book of Genesis. So I expect the answer to come from the book of Genesis. He said, I'm going to make him a great nation. And you see Isaac enter into the blessing plan at that time. Yes, Isaac was thought of way before then. And God had a plan. And he knew what the plan was. God said this about Abraham. He said, for I know him that he will command his children and he will and his household after him. He's going to tell them, I'm following God. You need to follow God. Now, how we do that? Again, it goes back to um, how we present things. What do we have to say about God? And how we present God to our children, how we present God to our family. And, um, you know, that makes a difference. Now, if we beat them up with the word of God. They're going to be um, they're going to be they're going to be resentful. They're going to be resentful because it's being presented the wrong way. And did God beat us up with the word? Maybe that was the thing back in the day, you know, way back in the day. Parents use switches and belts and all kind of stuff on their children. And some of them turned out all right. Others did not. And my my parents believed in corporal and, and, and getting on you. And, and so and I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. But listen here. When Abraham and Sarah left home, uh, Abraham was 75. Sarah was 65. And you'll find that in, in Genesis, you'll find that in the scripture. And the Lord is making this promise to him. And I'm going to make you a great nation and I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to make thy name great and thou shall be a blessing. Well, who was he going to use to do this? He was going to use Isaac. Now, and when he left home, he's 75. He's 100. When, it's, when Isaac is born. And that's who God is going to use. Now, this is before conception that he's telling him that that I'm going to I'm going to bless her and, and told him that that when she brings forth a child to call his name Isaac. Mm -hmm. So let's go on here. Now, the question was, um, is who was the first person 
um, to receive the spirit? That was that was the question that, that was asked in, in Exodus 35 and 31 uh, is not the answer to that. Matter of fact, I don't even know who you who, who that's in reference to. Um, I see the scripture, but I don't know who that is in reference to. Is there a name for that person? But also understand that 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 is not um, the first person. All right, Abraham, the eleventh verse. We're talking about the being adulthood, the school of art. Now, these are the generations of Ishmael. Now, remember, uh, Hagar, Hagar um, was encouraged to be a surrogate mom because Sarah was was having some issues and she was having a, a serious problem um, as far as um, not getting pregnant. They, they were doing all that they could and it just, it wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. And so she offered Hagar, her um, handmaid, as uh, to bear Abraham a son. And she did. And his name was Ishmael. And Ishmael, uh, uh, Abraham asked the Lord, said, Lord, why don't you bless Ishmael to carry on and be there? And but God said, no, that's not my plan. That's not what I wanted. And, and I'm paraphrasing that. That's not what I wanted. And, and so uh, the Lord uh, spoke and and God said to Abraham, 18, 19, for I know him that he will command his children, his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice, judgment. The, the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Now, God had confidence in Abraham. He had confidence in Abraham. And I believe and can prove that it is because of the word of God, uh, which was ministered to him. I, I want you to to really, I hope someone caught that. It's because of the word of God that was ministered to him. When you receive the word and you live by the word and God is able to testify uh, the same thing of you, that he, he know that you will. When he know that you will be obedient to his word, then it's because of what was ministered, what is now uh, embedded in your spirit that makes the difference. That makes the difference. Now, the 12th verse says, now these are the generation of Ishmael. Now, remember, God said it. Abraham's son, whom Hagar, the Egyptian, Sarah's handmaid, bear unto Abraham. And this is Genesis 16, 10 to 11. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child and shall bear his son, and thou shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord have heard thy affliction. So God was uh, compassion and showed sympathy, empathy, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, to her for the situation that she has now, this triangle that she's in. The Lord saw that Sarah did, he saw what Sarah did and he heard what she said and the pain that Agar felt. And he promoted, uh, he promised her that Ishmael would be a great nation. And these are the names of the sons of Ishmael 
by these names, according to their generations, the firstborn of Ishmael is Nebajah and Kadar and Adbil and Mod, um, uh, let's see here, Mishma, Duma, Massa, Kadar, Tama, Jetor, Nafish, and Kima. So he had children, and these are the sons of Ishmael and their names by their towns and by their castles. There was 12 princes according to their nation, which what God had spoken that would happen. He spoke that and said this. Uh, he told um, this to uh, his mom, Hagar. And so the scripture goes on to say, these are the years of the lives of Ishmael, 130 and seven years. And he gave up the ghost and died and was gathered unto his people. So Ishmael is now gone, but Isaac is still alive. Now there is a, um, let me ask another question here because we've been in the book of Genesis. What is the age difference? Now, if Ishmael is 137 years old, how old is Isaac? How old is Isaac? How old was Isaac when, how old was Ishmael when Isaac was born? And that's how you'll figure that out. In the 18 verses, and they dwell, I'm looking for an answer. They dwell in Havilah unto Shar. That is before Egypt, as thou goest toward Assyria, and he died in the presence of all his brethren. Uh, Bible students, what do you recall about Havilah? There, there's something significant about Havilah. And, and so Ishmael lived there. And so what is what is significant about that? Something should stand out to you about that. Now we're running out of time here, and I'm not getting any answers from 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 uh, from the Bible students. Uh, so uh, so um, there was a 14 year difference between Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael being the oldest. Now Havilah. The, the questions, and so we'll we'll just go ahead and answer the questions. So that uh, the Bible tells us that that God created man from the dust of the ground, and when God created man, man was standing upright. He was made from the dirt, mud, clay. He was standing there. He was able to wave his hands. He was able to run around and do everything like that. Is, is that correct? Did anybody else read that? I certainly did not read that. I, I made that up and said it to see if anyone would say, no, that's not right. God created him. And he was lifeless until the Lord breathed into his nostrils and he became a living soul. Now, some argue and say that, that when Adam was born, that he had blood and everything. 
um, that's a discussion to have because I don't believe that Adam had blood to become a living soul. And let me just give you a scripture or let me just give you a, a reference to another scripture. And that is flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So flesh and blood is not in the kingdom of God at all, period. Nope, there's no flesh and blood there. Anyone that has gone on into the kingdom, they are not there in fleshly bodies. They are not there. Blood is not the life of the body there. All right. Adam became a living soul when God breathed into him. He breathed into him. Just And we're going to be talking more about the Holy Ghost and the Lord permit, uh, but he breathed in him. And just like the disciples in them, he breathed, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And when they went back on the day of Pentecost, you know, that was after his resurrection and that that came to pass. It didn't, it didn't happen immediately. Now for John the Baptist, uh, who came, um, uh, the Bible said that he leaped in his mother's womb as a, as an infant, he leaped in his mom's womb and she was filled and he was filled with the Holy Ghost when he heard the salutation of Mary, who was carrying Jesus. And when he leaped, um, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. No one, um, I'm not going to go there, but listen here. Listen, Adam was, was uh, the spirit of God was in Adam. And the Lord told him that the day that you eat from the tree, you're going to die. Death is a separation from the spirit. And so, but we see that when Adam, when Adam ate from the tree, he did not die physically. He didn't die physically. He was still alive. Him and Eve um, were having, still having babies, still populating the earth. And so he didn't die. He didn't die physically. Now, something else happened to him. Uh, the spirit man was impacted. But by this time, the shedding of blood had occurred. That's where the clothes, the skin, the, that they were clothed with, with the skin from animals. That was a sacrifice that was made on their behalf. Now, Havilah, if you now if you you've been with us, you've been traveling through the book of Genesis. Now we're not teaching this for to forget what's been what's what the word of God says, because you're gonna need this. You need to load yourself up. Make sure that your pistols, your your pistols are loaded, that you're not shooting a cap gun. You, you need to make sure that you're shooting uh live rounds, uh, so to speak. So listen, Havilah uh was filled with gold. The Bible said that the name of, of uh, Havilah, that Havilah, the whole land was compassed about with where there was gold and the gold in that area was good. It was good. So that was a rich area near Egypt, which is near Africa. That was a good land to be in. And, and so Genesis 17, God said it and asked for Ishmael. I've heard the He's talking to Hagar. Behold, I'm going to bless him. I'm going to bless your son. I'm going to make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he begot, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, 
which Sarah shall bear unto thee at the time in the next year. So God said this, and it did not occur overnight. Now, there are some things that God is speaking that's going to happen in a shorter period of time. And there are other things that are going to take a little while because he wants to make sure that the benefit of it is going to benefit all of them that he wants. Sometimes we want God to do things right away. But remember, he deals with time. And when he doesn't deal with time, then it's a miracle. But when he used the time element, we have to wait and just make sure that we stay in our place. Now, I want to uh, to let you know that, you know, if you're watching the news and paying attention to what's going on around the world, certainly we are. Uh, certainly I am. Um, there are scriptures and the word of God that's unfolding right before our eyes, right before our eyes. There are things that are happening. And so as you go to church, as you, I want to encourage you that, um, that you ask your ministers, ask those that you are, where you worship at about what is happening. And so that they can explain, because one, they have a divine responsibility to, um, to explain to you and tell you. Um, and it doesn't mean that they know it all. No one knows everything, but the word of God does give us information and it will help you, um, your faith in God to see that things are happening uh, around the world and happening right in your presence that um, show you that God's word is fulfilling. His word is fulfilling. Now, as his word fulfills, it doesn't mean that that you won't accomplish some natural things that you want. And if God should, if the Lord should come, those natural things, I want a car, I want to get married, I want a job, I want this. Is it, is it going to matter? None of that's going to matter. You won't need none of that. You're not going to need none of that in the kingdom. You're not going to need none of that when the earth has been redefine. I'm going to stop with that. You're going to have to go and look at that. The Bible talks about a new heaven and a new earth. And, and so as the earth is new, to, you're not going to need a car uh, in that time. You're not going to be concerned about um, being married, scratching your itch. You're not going to be concerned about graduating school because all knowledge and everything at that point is, is revealed to the saints that we know in part right now, but when the fullness of time comes, but we're not going to know things just in part. We're going to know things, we're going to know things. And so I'm, I'm going to stop right there. I could keep going on, but I, I pray and hope that you receive what has been said this evening. Thank God for each of you that have, have tuned in to, uh, for this evening. And my prayer is, and hope that you would also uh, hold me up in prayer as well. I solicit your prayers. Uh, also, I need much prayer. I need much prayer. Pray for me. Lord, remember Pastor Carl, that that's what I need you to, to, to just tell him. That's all you need to say. That's all you need to say. And that's enough. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord. Lord, for each individual that has joined in to service, Lord God, and to to have given of their time to listen uh, to this short exhortation. I pray and ask that you would bless them, Lord. Keep their minds stayed on you. 
Help them to live according to thy will, Lord God. Lord, we thank you and we bless your name, Savior. Lord, I pray and ask if there's any sick among us that you would heal them. Whatever medicine they're using, let it bless it not to have side effects, but to do the job that it is intended for. Lord God, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Pray and ask that you would continue to help us, Lord God, as we separate ourselves, as we prepare our hearts, Lord God, to receive from you. Lord Jesus, and I bless that you would, that you would help those on the job uh, as they labor, and Lord God, and the skill that they need, and Lord, are in school as they study for their assignments, Lord God. Lord, bless them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise and to give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed.